It's always nice to have something to look forward to. Would you agree? What are things that you look forward to? Just call it out with your mask on. We'll raise your hand. What's something that you look forward to? Going to see grandbabies. Very good. I got an amen here. (laughs) Celebrating Father's Day with family. Amen. What a blessing that is. Vacations. Yes. Solid food, Marcy. Oh, okay. She's on a diet right now. Just liquids. Improving your health. Good thing, right? I look forward to to all these things as well. Sabbath rest. We look forward to the weekends, being able to take a break. Vacation was mentioned. Or if it's a bad vacation, coming back home, sleeping in your bed again. And uh, Sarah and I just were on a couple days of vacation. We slept on some pretty good beds. Yeah, it makes you think. We have a good bed at home, but... Nice to try out some other ones. (laughs) Payday. You look forward to getting paid? That's always a good one. Looking forward to getting out of debt? That's a good one. You know, it's nice to have these little carrots to hold out in front of us. Have you heard that phrase before, holding a carrot out in front? It came from this idea that you could tie a a carrot onto the string uh, and then hold it onto a stick and tie it onto your donkey And so the donkey would see this carrot and it would want to keep going and going and going, but it can never, of course, get to the carrot, right? Uh, So that was the idea, having this reward out in front of you. You like carrots? Can't have this one because I've touched it. So it's nice when we have something to look forward to. It kind of gives us some extra motivation. And I've found for me, like if we're planning a trip, it's motivating to be extra careful with our money so that we're saving up money so that we can actually go on our trip, saving up our vacation time. I'll often plan an adventure. I'll pick a a rock climbing objective, a big tall climb, and I'll say, okay, I wanna climb this climb at this proximate date. To do that, I'm gonna have to put in the work. I'm going to have to get into better shape. I'm going to have to be a stronger climber. I'm going to have to get things planned out so that I can be ready for that day. But when you're you're stuck, when you're going through some tough times or when you're just going through the ordinary times, having something bright to look forward to can help get you through the darker days. And all of us go through the ups and downs. But particularly right now, as we're dealing with COVID, as we're dealing with continued isolation, as we're dealing with um, trying to figure out how to move forward as a nation and make right the wrongs of the past and the wrongs of the present. As we think about how to build a better society today, I just want to take some time this morning to look ahead to the future. We want a brighter future here and now, But ultimately, the brightest day is yet to come. And so I invite you to open up your Bibles. Open up to the book of Isaiah. We're going to Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah 60. 
I've entitled this sermon, The Brightest Day. And I think you'll see why as we get a little bit closer there. Isaiah chapter 60 is an image of what Israel could become. We might even say it's a conditional prophecy. You know, Ronald Reagan was once asked the question, are America's days, brightest days, ahead of us or behind us? And his opponent famously answered the question by saying, well, I think they're actually behind us. That didn't go well for him. Ronald Reagan said, no, 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 no. Our brightest days are still ahead. We've got something to look forward to, to build towards. And so in the book of Isaiah, there are these glimpses of a brighter future. And chapter 60 is one of those glimpses. This is what you can become. This is what can happen to you if you return to me with your whole hearts. If you accept my invitation to repent, to reform, to come back to me. And, and this is why it's sometimes confusing when we're reading Isaiah or other Old Testament prophecies because we don't understand the conditional nature of them. For example, before we get into Isaiah 60, just go over to Isaiah 65 real quick. Isaiah 65, if you hear a sermon on heaven, chances are you're going to hear a verse from Isaiah 65. Look at verse 17. God's speaking there. He says, for behold, I create what? New heavens and a new earth. I'm reading from the New King James Version today. The former shall not be remembered nor come to mind. And we say, aha, this is heaven. And rightly so, we're applying it in our context to heaven. Uh, look at verse 21. They shall build houses and inhabit them. Plant vineyards and eat their, their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit or not plant and another eat. And we say, praise the Lord. Yeah. Rightly so. Look at, look at verse uh, 25. The wolf and the lamb shall do what together? They shall graze together. They shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, etc., etc., and we are filled with hope and joy as we look forward to these days, as we should be. But sometimes we read verses in the same passage like verse 20. It says, no more shall an infant from there live but a few days. And that's good news. Nor an old man who has not fulfilled his days. And that's great news. But then we're confused because it says, for the child shall die 100 years old. Wait, what? I thought we were talking about heaven here. But the sinner being 100 years old shall be a curse. They're not going to be sinners in heaven. Have you ever seen verses like this and been a little bit confused before? And it comes back to this reality that, that these passages initially were spoken by God to his people as a glimpse of what could happen to them in the present and the near future, if they were faithful to him. And so using this powerful imagery, God saying, I'm gonna do something awesome if you come back to me. I'm gonna make your land so wonderful and so peaceful, and you're gonna live so long in the land if you return to me. It's gonna be like a new heaven and a new earth because you won't recognize it. 
But as you're familiar with the story, did the people fully come back to the Lord? They didn't. Much like our hearts today that are so stubborn and calloused, unfortunately, so many times. And so these prophecies fell short of their potential. Remember another um, conditional prophecy was the prophecy of Jonah to Nineveh. This time it was the opposite. God's going to destroy your city, he said. And then the people repented. And so what did God do? He let them live. He forgave them. So this is just the opposite here. where God is saying, this is what's going to happen. But it was based on the condition of returning. And the people didn't return. But what's amazing is, these prophecies are not falling to the ground without some type of fulfillment. Because as you get into the New Testament, we start to realize that even though Israel of the past didn't respond accordingly, there's a spiritual Israel that God wants to still fulfill these prophecies in and through. And who's the spiritual Israel? It's anybody who accepts the Messiah. It's us Gentiles who accept the Messiah. It's, it's Anita as being part Jew, accepting the Messiah. And, and we're, we're not replacing. It's not a replacement theology. Paul says we're grafted in. The original vine is still there. We, by faith, are grafted in, and which means an agricultural term. It's when uh, we do it all the time with the almond trees, right? What are almond trees grown off of? What are the stumps? Peach. Okay. I never knew this until I moved here. But that's why the, the trunks look so funny. At the base, you can see it was another tree, and they just grafted the whole tree on. Uh, sometimes you just do a branch, but in this case, just the whole, the whole top of the tree got put on there. And we get grafted in to this Israel of faith when we accept the Messiah. And so that's why some of these passages can be confusing because God had an another, another purpose initially in mind, but he's extended the blessings into the future to that glorious new heaven and new earth. And so rightly, we apply these to heaven. But let's go back to, to Isaiah chapter 60 because here we see this glimpse of what the people could become and we've already said, unfortunately, they didn't become that way. But let's just start there in verse 1. Isaiah 60, verse 1. Arise and what? Shine. Arise and shine. I appreciated that children's story on shining for Jesus. Arise and shine, for your light has come. Notice we can't shine until the light first comes to us. And the greatest light was who? And is who? Jesus. He said, I am the what? I'm the light. But he also said, you are the light. He was hoping that his people would embrace him and become this beacon of light for the whole world. For the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, spiritual darkness covering 
our earth. And there's a lot of darkness covering our earth. Spiritual uh, rejection, uh, lack of interest in God, interest in the things God is opposed to. Darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. I love that verse. It reminds me of the verse in Malachi chapter 4, verse 2. It says there that the, he will rise with healing in his wings. Um, the son of righteousness will rise. This prophecy about the Messiah, the son of righteousness, rising up, and it's spelled S-U-N there. The son, Jesus, is not only the son of God, he is the son, the light of the world. And then in Matthew chapter 4, verse 16, we're told that Jesus fulfilled these words. It says, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. For those dwelling in the region of the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. Jesus came to this world to cast even greater light and an invitation for us to become the light as well. And you can read through this passage more on your own and you can see the, the wonderful things that could have happened earlier on in the history of Israel. But the, the area this morning that I want to focus on in particular is, is down in verse 19. Isaiah chapter 60, starting in verse 19. And notice what is described there. It says, the sun shall no longer be your light by day. So now we're talking about a time when we're not going to rely on that big, shiny thing in the sky. Nor for brightness shall the moon give you light. Why? For the Lord will be to you an everlasting light, and your God your glory. This is the brightest imagery that you can imagine because it says God is going to be your everlasting light. That's a light that never goes out. You know, if you go to Home Depot or some other store and you're looking for light bulbs, have you noticed how they're advertising the light bulbs these days? They'll tell you how much power it's expected to use per year, and they'll tell you how long they're supposed to last. And these new LED light bulbs, boy, they last for, not forever, but for a really, really long time, right? Really, really, really long time. But no LED can compare to God as our everlasting light. Look at verse 20. Your sun shall no longer go down, nor your moon withdraw itself. For the Lord will be your what? Your everlasting light. And the days of your mourning shall what? Now, do these words about not needing the sun, not needing the moon, do these words remind you of any other passage in the Bible? Where, where can we read about that? There's some New Testament author that is almost quoting this passage. It's in the book of Revelation. That's right. Keep your finger or something in Isaiah 60. We're going to come back, but go to Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. 
And we're going to verse 23. Revelation 21 and verse 23. Describing the glory of the new Jerusalem, what does God say there? The city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it. Why? For the glory of God illuminated it, and the Lamb is its light. Isn't that amazing? No more need. If you're afraid of the dark, heaven is the place for you. Now, some of you are thinking, but I like the dark. Will I be missing the dark in heaven? No. I'm sure if you want to go to another planet that is illuminated by suns and moons, you can do that. You can go visit that. We can explore the galaxy together. Amen? But in the New Jerusalem, in the earth made new, it's just going to be wonderful daylight. Not an oppressive daylight. You know, here in Modesto, let's be honest. In the summertime, it can be a little oppressive with the daylight. And when the evening comes, you say, thank the Lord. That delta breeze starts blowing through this area. We say, this is good. But heaven, it's going to be a perfect temperature. It's going to be a perfect temperature and a perfect kind of light. God will be the light. The Lamb will be the light. I don't know exactly what that looks like or what that means. But God's glory is going to be so powerful, so wonderful, that this wonderful glow will just fill the whole earth. And it'll be such a wonderful glow that you won't want to leave that wonderful presence. But the passage in Isaiah also said that there'd be no mourning there. M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. Does that sound familiar to another passage nearby in Revelation? Revelation chapter 21, look at verse 4. We're talking about things to look forward to today. The brightest day ever, the day when God makes all things new. And we can't skip this verse. Revelation 21 verse 4, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. No more mourning, no more pain. A wonderful place, illuminated by the glory of God and made joyful by the presence of God and the lack of death and sorrow and sin. Go back to Isaiah chapter 60, if you will. Verse 21, and all your people, also your people shall all be what? Righteous. Everyone there in that future home will be righteous. It's been said that, that there'll be no different colors in heaven. We'll all be red. This was HMS Richard Sr. who said this, the great preacher. And of course, he wasn't making any comment about the color of our skin. He was saying, all of us are covered 
in the blood of Jesus. What did Paul say? In Christ is no longer slave nor free, Jew nor Greek, male nor female. And, and, and the distinction between people, any distinction, there is no distinction in Christ. All of us are one. And we need to start treating each other like we're one right now. Amen? It's amazing how applicable the words of Scripture are to our everyday lives. As we prepare for that great day, we want to treat one another with love, with justice. Even if you disagree with their politics, everybody deserves to be loved, treated with dignity, treated fairly. We could say a lot more about that. Everyone's going to be righteous there, covered and cleansed in the blood of Jesus. And you can be righteous right now as you ask Jesus to cover and cleanse you today, even as God works to help make you a better person, a better dad, a better mom, a better daughter, a better friend. Everyone will be righteous. Now think about the implications of this. If everyone's righteous, how many people will be sinning? None, okay. So how many people will be stealing in heaven? None. So, will you ever have a need to lock your doors in heaven? No. You can just leave your doors wide open. You can take a nap and not be afraid. Will there ever be a need of carrying around mace or pepper spray if you're jogging? No. Will you ever, Marcy, will you ever be afraid of being attacked by a big vicious dog? You're not right now. Well, that's good, because she was telling me a scary story. Scary story. You're never going to be afraid of being attacked by a wild animal, or by an animal that's wild that's actually domesticated. Um, <laughs> I had a dog rip my pants the other, the other day, but it didn't rip my skin, so I was happy for that. And it was a nice dog, too. Uh, there'll be no cats in heaven, amen? I was just kidding. Aunt Debbie, if you're watching, that was 100% of a joke. In fact, we already read scriptures that indicate there will be lions in heaven. Of course there'll be cats in heaven, but we won't be afraid of them. Yeah, I've been told that lions and cheetahs have soft fur just like house cats do. Um, won't that be wonderful? Only righteousness there. We talked about the light. No need for sunscreen in heaven. No need for air conditioning because it'll be a good temperature. Good temperature. Just think about it. How wonderful will it be? You can leave your, your jewels and your gems that are just popping up out of the ground. You can just leave them there. No one will take them. We could just think for, for hours and hours of the practical implications. My friend said, behind every lock is a story. Behind everything that we have to do to safeguard ourselves here and now is an example of something that went wrong, and so now we have to do this. No need for insurance in heaven. 
liability insurance. Nobody will be suing each other. Nobody will be getting hurt in the kingdom. Only righteousness there. What does it say next? They shall inherit the land for how long? Forever. You know, in Isaiah's day, as he was writing this, the Babylonian captivity had not happened yet. They hadn't lost their land, been invaded by Nebuchadnezzar's armies. They hadn't been carried away captive. But it was going to happen. And it did happen. But he's pointing forward to a better day when you'll get to have your property and you'll have it forever. No more property disputes in heaven. What God gives you is what you have. And no one will be disappointed with what they've been given. Talk about equality. It will be absolute perfect equality in the kingdom. The branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. We are the work of God's hands. We won't be trying to puff ourselves up or glorify ourselves in heaven. We'll just be casting our crowns at Jesus' feet saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. You are worthy of all these things. A little one shall become a thousand and a small one a strong nation. Notice here, this is, a, this is genuine equal opportunity. In the, in the kingdom, we all will thrive. And then it says, I, the Lord, will hasten it. When? <coughs> in its time. I want to play a song right now that covers these few verses. And then we'll talk a little bit more and wrap it up. Listen to the words from Esther Moy, Scripture Songs for Worship.com. Be blessed by uh, the melody. Uh, you can close your eyes if you want to, but just imagine how good this bright day will be.
Aren't you looking forward to that day? I want God to hasten that brightest of all days, that day when he wipes away our tears and sets up a perfect place, a just place, even as we work for justice and work for equality and work to become better people here and now. We can have this to look forward to, to give us strength as we move forward. There have been many things in my life that I've looked forward to and then been disappointed in when I got it. Has that happened to you before? You're looking forward to something and then it ended up being a big dud. I can say with 100% confidence, when that day comes, you will not be disappointed. Is there anything worth holding on to at risk? of missing out on that great day? Friends at home, I can't think of anything, can you? The passage concludes by saying, I, the Lord, will hasten it in its time. God makes all things beautiful in Ecclesiastes in its time. But it also says in 2 Peter chapter 3 that we can help hasten the coming of Jesus. Let's find ways each day, each week, to tell others how good our God is so that that day can come soon. One good way to start, invite people to find out about their health. Takecharge.life is the website. Invite your friends. It starts Monday night. Um, whatever you do, Let's look forward to that day and let's help it come sooner. Let's bow our heads. Loving Heavenly Father, I'm just looking forward to that day. This world is, it's a beautiful world that you made, but it's just filled with so much sorrow. And we're looking forward to a better day, a brighter future, when you make all things new and when you are our light. Cover us and cleanse us with your blood again today. And Father, use us to relieve suffering in our world, in our communities. Use us to be agents of love and hope and salvation as we tell others and point them to you, the greatest light, as we look forward to that wonderful day. This is our prayer. Let all God's people say, amen, amen and amen. God bless you. Have a happy Sabbath. Uh, you'll be dismissed from the rear and have a safe and wonderful day. God bless.